Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where your smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. recordings off and we are live on Oz Property Investors we bring the big names and we have the big fun and I haven't hit the local recording so can you change it anyway no so okay how you going Jason I'm really good Jeff how are you buddy yeah good good so I um Joe and I had an exciting conversation at fourth at well four four o'clock South Australian time this afternoon it was um I just feel energized like I, I got off that call and I, I messaged the people personal too it was like wow so feeling good it feels almost I think like things happen yeah. Things are moving, guys. Things are happening. His caramel Nothing shirt sits well. still. It's not a caramel shirt, but um, <laughs> it's like a sweet as having one. Well, yeah. mate, I'm just excited. I, I'm excited to have Jason Wright on the show. He is yeah. he is my fun property friend. Every time I'm having a bad day and I have a chat with Jason, I always come. Um, I come off that call pumped and excited, oh. um, and that's why I have my fun shirt and my uh, gin and tonic. I am. Um, no beer Wednesday this week. I'm on the it is water. all. Oh, <laughs> in, in BW, on no Jason. Yeah. No. But um, I'm, no, but I'm excited for this. We've got some golden rules, some golden rules of investing, and Jason shared a lot of these golden rules to us. Um, and there's a lot, and there's a lot of value there. So um, I feel like this. We're going to try and keep this one to an hour and a half, but um, there is a boatload of value. We're going to go through current deals, existing deals, previous deals. Like this is going to be a real deal case study of what is it out there in the real world? Like Jason is a property manager in South Australia, an amazing property manager in South Australia. And um, it's he sees deals and works with investors every single day. So who better to dive deep into a property investment show? Mr. Jason Wright, I'm pumped to have you, mate. Welcome you, back. Mate. No, yeah. Jeff was just saying, like, I was here a bit over a year ago. It's exciting. I'm, what? Um, yeah. yeah, it was in June, June uh, 2022, Joe, start of June. Yeah. And um, I had fewer great, I have a gray hair or two now. So that's what happens when you start. <laughs> no one likes a bragger. Wouldn't it be nice to have hair? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me having, having hair is not a problem for me. It's, yeah, no, I'm just going to, but no, I, when we first spoke, um, I, I didn't appreciate how much knowledge and insight you, you actually, when we first spoke in back in last year, I, I wanted to get you back on well, just because you, you, as I said, you are a fun property person. You just have that energy and that vibrancy about you. But you also have so, so much knowledge and wisdom around doing property deals yourself. You're, you're not simply a property manager and property managers are great whether they invest or not. But you have that, you wear multiple hats, which is just fantastic as a property manager. And um, thanks. We, what, what's at the, uh, before we get into the quotes of the week, I want to ask you a bit ad lib. What, why did you get into being a property manager? Um, so, mum and I were drunk, basically, and got talking about how oh, crap dear. our property managers are and how they don't communicate with us. And, you know, wondered whether we could do a better job. And for the most part, turns out we can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we still have right. our bad days, like everyone. Um, lessons to be learned. But the fact is, 
we as a family had a reasonable sized portfolio. We just didn't feel that we were being communicated well. Um, my mum looked after it on behalf of my siblings and my mum and dad who liked each other at the time. Um, <clears throat> and they, mum felt that it was a job for her every, every mid-month or end of month one of the properties was behind in rent or there was something on the statement that she didn't know about and she thought, well, this mm. is weird. So maybe we should do a better job or maybe we should look into it. So mum started out on her own to begin with and started working for someone just to see whether she'd like it and the rest is history. Wow. And that's um yeah the best some of the best decisions are made whilst um whilst having alcohol but some <laughs> terrible things also made but um no that's, that's that's a cool that's a fun story to tell tell people how business started over a few drinks that's a yep but um and and where, I think this is our fourteenth year in business so we've been wow. doing it a long time now. That's amazing. Kudos to you guys. Um, and if people have any questions or comments about golden rule, their own golden rules or Ad the Adelaide property market, Jason is the quintessential, he's the go-to person in the Adelaide property market as, as a property manager. So drop those. And we are going to talk first up about the Adelaide property market, how it's sort of sure. traveling along. Um, we do have to do code of the week, but then we're going to jump into some, some golden rules of property investing, buying, selling, um, sort of developing, renovating, and property management. So it's going to be absolutely fun-packed and value-packed. So if you're watching this post the show, drop us a like, do all those sort of comments, do like good things, and we should ask for reviews again, Joe, but we'll do that at some stage. Yeah, we'll throw a review. Week, Jason, first up. Okay, same one I used last time, but I, I love it. It's one of my favourite quotes, and it's Dame Evner Average, and I think given that uh, – he slash she passed away this year. I think it's a good one to revisit. Yeah. Uh, she always says, uh, people ask me, how is it I manage to do so much? And I reply by asking, how is it you manage to do so little? <laughs> <laughs> the great, it's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That is a good, it is a good quote. I, um, I just know you, Jason, do not spend as much time in front of Netflix as uh, a lot of other people. That's for sure. You are constantly on the go. So uh, maybe Netflix is to blame. Maybe. Well, realestate.com is still, you know, even if I've got Netflix on, which is, I go through phases, but at the, it's been quite some time since I've turned on my television. Um, but for me... Realestate.com is my entertainment. Who needs who needs a Netflix channel? <laughs> cut, some, cut, some, money, cut some incidental spending, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably it could, that could be one of your golden rules, perhaps. Figure out what your priorities are with your spending. <laughs> that is. What about you, Jeff? What's your quote of the week, mate? So mine's uh, mine's a bit. Um, it, it, I like to theme mine based on the topic, and it is the golden rule is that there are no golden rules. So that's oh. by George Bernard Shaw. So I've kind of just mm. I've thrown the thrown the curveball there with, with about about golden rules. But I think to me, that me that to me means that yes, whilst these are Jasons, and whilst a lot of people would agree, and I, I love a lot of what Jason said in these. I think it's important to to run your own race and tread your own course rather than sort of saying. 
yes, J- Jason's. we have to absolutely abide by what Jason says in these rules. I just think it's important to adapt them to your own life and your own situation and all that sort of stuff because nobody, everybody's story is unique, largely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. And what works for Jason may not work for someone that wants to buy, uh, you know, units and, and, and townhouses and are very good at making money in that. Um, everyone, there's, there's always a way to make money in real estate. Um, there's always something that you can be doing and different to, to everyone else. And if you copy and do it, what everyone else is doing, you're probably going to get what everyone else has got. Um, yeah. My quote of the week, I have, uh, I have one. Money is a tool, not a master. Use it wisely, lest it uses you. Um, that is a quote that I just pulled up um, two minutes ago. So it has really no intrinsic value to me um, like your ones did, guys. So I apologies. But um, from what I can gather from that quote is uh, it's pretty solid. Uh, you don't want money to use you. You want to use the money. Um can anyone else pull any value from that quote? No, no, definitely. I, I yeah, think- I can. It's yeah, a tool. Right. Simple as that. You know, and people yeah. go, money doesn't buy happiness. It absolutely doesn't buy happiness, but it gives you choices. Yeah. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd rather be, I'd rather be, um, if I'm going to be miserable, I'd rather be miserable in first class and, and in coach or, or like at the back or not even on the plane in the first place. But yeah. Um, Cattle and, class. And to, yeah. To, to, to me that, Joe. Glacier on a plane. Yeah, exactly. Doing um, but also, the money is a is a terrible um, a terrible master, and I'm uh, sorry, it's a terrible servant and a, and a great. Oh, sorry, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a it's a great a great servant, a terrible master. So if you let money master you, then I think you you're probably living living things potentially wrong. Well, it's funny. Some of the most wealthiest people that I know just think about deals and property and money as exactly that. It's just it's just a tool. Um, when they talk about, uh, you know, I, I can talk about a $300,000 deal and then I talk about a million dollar deal and I'm kind of like, Oh, a million dollars. And then I speak to, I've got a friend that's a developer. Um, and they just, they're like, Oh yeah, but this is, it's a $2 million deal. But if you break it down onto a napkin, you can make 20%. So who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what that big number is. And here I am worrying about $2 million thinking, Oh my gosh, that's massive. And it's like, no, no, no talking about no it's just numbers it all adds up it all stacks up so go for it and do it oh okay yeah and it works <laughs> it's, well, everyone else is scared of it the the very first big deal i ever did when i was in commercial real estate i sold a piece of real estate that was a dump but i saw potential and i sold it to a very very wealthy man who is a risk taker and said this is what i see for it and i said you know it was a dump how did i talk you into spending 2.2 million dollars on this deal and he goes i kind of justified it by going it's more than more than my plane and less than my boat (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah okay well let's on that note, get into um, introducing who this amazing man is in front of us. But before we do that, we're going to go to a quick snapshot ad break. The amazing thing with commercial property investing is that in most cases, it's cash flow positive from day one, which means that you can drive those profits towards paying down the debt. There are instances with commercial property investing where you can actually have the property pay itself off over 10 years, which is absolutely crazy. 
With commercial property, you get massive net yield. So you can expect anywhere between 6 to 10%. And as we've seen in the current boom, these properties not only provide large cash flow, they do certainly grow wildly in value too. Now, with big rewards comes some risk, and this is why you should de-risk your investment as much as possible. And the way you do that is with expert due diligence. And this is why we highly recommend people hire professionals to help you along in your investing journey. Steve Polisi of Polisi Property is one such expert. Being a chartered mechanical and structural engineer in a past life, Steve draws on his analytical and mathematical skills to do that expert due diligence for you. With six years experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He's the guy you want in your corner, crunching the numbers and finding the best properties in the best locations, along with ensuring that you avoid the mistakes. Steve has actually even written the book on commercial property investing in Australia. And not only is it a bestseller, I believe it to be the most comprehensive in commercial property investing on the market today. He's been generous enough to give us a massive discount for our audience of 50%. So use the code OZPROP, click the link below, get a copy today and start learning and getting on your commercial property investing journey. Good move. We are back. Everybody's back. So, the, who who is the person? Um, if you don't know Jason, because it's it seems like a lot of people already from the love you're getting in the comments. Once I put this post up, you are you 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 have a wealth of experience in property management, business, business development, but you also used to you used to work in a cafe, restaurant, um, and the catering sort of business. Um, and and yeah, I think that in Adelaide and Melbourne, so that must have been really fun. Um, but I think for the thing I love about you is is your passion for helping the the everyday person to to build property, build build wealth through through property. So it's and and yep. but you you just sort of treat everybody with with the utmost respect, I think as well. And you just sort of want to see people hopefully get ahead. But you've also been in, involved in you've been a finalist in real estate institute of South South Oz in, in, in four times. So you haven't haven't won it yet, but. I, no, no, I won my very first year. Oh, okay. So I, I, won... read, I read that and it says finalists. Usually, no, but I, I think you should have won it at least two or three times. What, what were they? What were they? What were they talking about? They must have. Yeah. But no, you've you've been doing. You've done plenty, and you've been. I think you've. I don't know how big you've got a huge property, a decent sized property portfolio as well. So you yep. you eat your own cooking as well. So that's that's why you are our goats. One of our go to or our go to person in South Australia. So. Thanks. What did I, I miss there, Jason? Any anything that? No, not at all. Look, the principles between hospitality and real estate are exactly the same, and I think that's why the I I was um, when I was interviewed when I won Rookie of the Year in real estate in my first year. They went, "Oh, you know, change of industry. How are you coping?" I said, "I haven't changed industry." I've worked in the customer service industry since I was 10. I learned to pull a beer in my parents' pub on my 10th birthday. And I've worked in the customer service industry ever since. And the only thing that's changed is the average price of the plate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I love that sort of mindset. Like how how good is your ability to sort of just like translate your transferable skills across the things? Yeah. Mm. On on that note, um, I'm, I'm gonna. Yep. I don't know if you read the thing. I want to read the sort of document we sent you. But I want to. We usually ask people about their favorite property investment. But what what is your favorite renovation or development? I'm gonna let you pick one of those. Ooh, 
Okay. Oh, the, the one, and I'm going to share it a little later when I share some real live deals, but yeah. my very first joint venture with my mate Ross is my favourite deal of all time. Ross and I became mates because we got into a fight because one of my clients bought his first deal from him and he may have made some mistakes and then tried to put it on my buyer and I I may or may <laughs> not have told him fairly honestly the mistakes he made and he realised. So uh, he called me one day and said, hey, I've, I want to buy this deal. I don't have enough money. How much money have you got? I said, how much money do you need? <laughs> I'm like, so then I'm like, mum, how much money have you got? <laughs> and so we did this deal together and it was our very first one together. We did a renovation at the front, Hammerhead subdivision at the rear. Um, I moved down into the house uh, down south in a place called Morfitt Vale um, and lived on site for four weeks during the renovation and it, it was fun. It was honestly, we pulled walls out, pulled walls down with sledgehammers, did a lot of it ourselves. Ross hates renovating. I love renovating. Uh, it was my favourite deal. It's uh, it's the one deal I wish we'd kept. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. That's the problem with with renovating and subdividing and and selling off is you you lose it you lose that sucker, um, yeah. Well, that's super interesting. It's, I didn't realize that's how you guys got together. So, so that's that's well, a fun little. That wasn't our first story. deal. We'd been mates a bit, but yeah, that's how we got together. He um, a deal on Richard's Drive was his very first deal, and he cut the rear block and did a house and land package in the front in the back and my client bought the front house from him and then he called me up going your gutter is leaking into my backyard I need to need you to fix it I'm like well the developer was just useless man like he just he didn't do the drainage properly it's all his fault put it and he, and he just started laughing and I'm like you're the developer aren't you and he goes, yeah. <laughs> coffee and 15 years later we're best mates <laughs> wonder if ross is uh watching tonight if you are watching ross say hello i'm sure will yeah be. tell us tell us tell us what really happened ross <laughs> <laughs> tell us the ross side of the story I, I feel like i feel like ross would say yeah that's pretty close maybe just miss a, a tiny detail here so, so jace you've been you've been dissecting these these golden rules and i don't know jeff if i'm jumping skipping ahead but what skip, what skip is away young joe skip please. oh yeah well, what's one of your favourite? Now, I don't, it doesn't have to be the top best, absolutely best money savers, but what is one of your favourite golden rules in property? Um, my favourite, I'm a buy and hold guy, I, and, and that was the very first deal that I did with Ross that I sold something. So I've never been mm. a seller. I've always been a buy and hold guy, and I believe with all my heart, time is your friend. So people yeah. buy with the purpose of they're concerned about capital growth. They're concerned about everything. I just, if you buy and you hold, the money takes, the capital growth takes care of itself. No matter my very first deal, which I've still got, I paid $42,000 for. It was a dump, still a dump. <laughs> <laughs> 
But is that, is I worked your... out the other day because I'm like, I've had it for 20 years. And I'm like, no, I haven't. I've had it for 30 years. <laughs> 29 wow. years. What's what's 10 years between friends, though, I suppose? Have yeah. you paid the debt off? Is it is it is it done? A very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Closed off the that's... account, so no more. Yeah. I just want free rent. <clears throat> but yeah, you're totally that's... right. Like time time heals a lot of the wounds. Like I did renovation ages ago and and the it was we paid 280 for it we did a 20 grand renovation it, it took it to 360 um so that's great i made you know however much in in a very short amount of time with only 20 grand we we tripled the tripled the money but then we just held it and then a year and a half later it went to 550 and i'm like wow that's amazing but if i bought the house at 360 it would have gone from 360 to 550. So I think I love renovating because it gets my, I need my deposit back as soon as I can to recycle and re go again. However, if it depending on where you are in situation, um, like you can buy a, a solid house and then add value to You don't need to add value to it because it's in a really good location and it will have that capital growth as well. If it's in a good location in the right area at the right time. So you just Could need to be in a crappy location. My second golden rule was buy what you can buy the moment you can afford it and buy the the, the thing you can afford. Like it's just because mm. the mistake people make is, and we talked early on about listening to everyone else, and please don't listen to my rules. I'm just a guy with a hobby. My way is not the way, but it's worked for me. It's worked for my family. It's worked for plenty of my friends. But the if you stop and wait for the right house at the right price in the right suburb, and this moment in time is the best moment in time to realise that, mm. I know 30 people that should have, could have, would have bought a year and a half ago and didn't, and they've all, they're have all $150,000 poorer than most of us. Like, that's sad. And they were in the position to buy then, and now they're not. Because. So I think think the other mistake, um, and this sort of talks a little bit to your golden rules, people are waiting for the market to drop. Or they're waiting for that sort of magical sort of 15, 20 long? How long have we been waiting for the market to drop? Like, Well, it it did drop, though, during, uh, it dropped a little bit during, yeah, during uh, nationally, that run-up. Nationally, yeah. it dropped, right? It's like yeah, the yeah, same yeah. with Adelaide. Like, yeah. Adelaide, Adelaide had a little bit of a, a little bit of a dip, but it, on the outskirts in where people actually buy real houses, not in the city centre where it's, you're spending silly money, like the emotional owner-occupiers, those got, those did dip in price, which affected the national. So it's when you look at things nationally, it, it's, it's not fair. You need to look at the individual market for an area to see, well, actually on the outskirts, like Jason's going to run through some examples that we, we bought a year ago um, and they've gone up a hundred thousand uh, dollars. But the, you know, nationally the markets dropped Adelaide, the market dipped. Um, it hasn't really dropped. It was actually one of the best, that's been the best performance recently. And we can have a look at the charts. Probably, um, probably one of the bigger was um, was the nor- northern sort of beaches of Sydney. Those kind of really ultra wealthy sort of suburbs that yeah. like three million plus. They some of those did like down. They were down sort of 25 percent. So, but at the same yeah. time, the problem is they went they gone up about sort of thirty or forty percent before they did. So, 
Yeah. And, and at and that time, yes, you guys Me personally, I could afford to live in a, a million-dollar house, right? I'm a single guy. Like, that is not an effect. If I had a $700,000 mortgage, I would be up all night. Do you, like, I would be, I've got no hair left to lose. Like, it's just not <laughs> a practical. These people that buy more than they need, I think paying your own mortgage is for chumps. Like, you should have the lowest mortgage possible and pay it off as quickly as possible because it's bad debt. It's it's a bloody personal loan. You're paying your own debt. Like, that's terrible. (laughs) Good debt is where other people pay it on your behalf. Yeah. So before we get into, we jumped ahead a little bit there. I want to I want to unpack. What are you seeing on the ground in the Adelaide property market at the moment? Because it's it's still relatively bubbling along quite quite nicely. It was uh, I think everybody loves Perth at the moment, but let's let's uh, like Adelaide was really. Too, I mean, people still love Adelaide, but it's yeah. it's sort of lost. It's probably bridesmaid at the moment. But um, well, what are you what are you sort of 12, seeing? Twelve months. Adelaide's grown one one percent. Um, no. More than one percent? No, it's more than that, isn't it, Joe? Oh, look, yeah. On, one, uh, you said one percent. What? Yeah. Twelve months. Twelve month change. We have. Uh, so this is the the recent uh, Australian dwellings value. So we have a two point nine percent increase in the last three months. So the property market in Australia has grown three uh, percent, which is absolutely yep. massive. Um, in three months to grow three three percent, but yeah, when you start to look at the numbers a little bit more, and and this is why I just don't spend too much time on these more macro charts. Like we have, um, oh no, what did I? Uh, this That'll is the like three months change. Three months, so Joe. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. This is the three months change. So it's three point. Where are we? Yeah. So three point two for for Perth. Three point two for Adelaide. Brisbane has actually grown more. So four point two, and Sydney's grown four point five. So Sydney might be king at the at the minute. Regional uh, SA has grown three point one alongside Australia has grown two point nine. So we did have a very small uh, negative dip, um, but that boom bust. I mean, where, what's the date period? Here's COVID, so we had COVID and it dipped down a lot. Um, prices started to rise, and now we are. Have we corrected? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Have we corrected as a as a market? Well, I is think there are two the things driving for us mm-hmm. right now. One is the media are saying there's a problem, and I'm not sure whether there is or not, but the fact is whilst we have people living in an interest rate fear, no one's selling. And so while there's yeah. no one selling, I can tell you, and you guys can attest to it, the fact is I'm out on weekends looking for you guys and other clients national uh, from a national market in the Adelaide space, going to open home after open home, missing out week in, week out, because there's still 40, 50, 60 groups through an open home and there's just no stock. There's just not enough stock to buy. So people are still buying a premium for it or paying mm-hmm. a premium for it. There is a little four-bedroom semi-detached ex-housing trust house in Salisbury North. Now, for people listening, Salisbury North is a relatively low socio suburb, but it's super cool. I really like it because it's, um, 
it's the poor cousin to Parallel Powerful Gardens got really great access to the Adelaide CBD. Um, a little semi-detached. The price guide was three five nine to three seven nine, but it was a four bed one bath. So I said to my client, I'm like, look. This is great buying at 410, 415 because I'll still get 430 to 450 a week for it. It was neat and tidy. 437 and a half it sold for. It's attached at a wall. You can't subdivide it. It's a semi-detached. Wow. You guys call it a duplex. Like yeah. my very first house was a duplex, semi-detached housing trust in Elizabeth North. $42,000. Like, 10 times like that's mind-blowing to me that's that's, that's baffling and then i'm going to open homes actively looking for four bedroom two bathroom stuff for a client with a budget of 800 grand missing out week in week out missing out like it's absurd yeah yeah i mean this is this is someone's written down here 500k population growth it's easy buy 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 basic supply and demand and the demand is is only growing and you're right it is a supply and demand issue there is there is a supply of properties we are not building any the trades have struggled over the past two years to to be able to put these houses up and they're just they're not there so there is still pricing pressure and and i am a little bit concerned when we have all this immigration where are these people going to go it's going to put a massive uptick on um uptick on rents which is going to be absolutely bananas um but i mean this is this is what spells opportunity like you can help people by getting investment properties and buying them from owner occupiers you get to take a little bit of the stress and pressure out of the out of the market by providing someone with housing so um well the the owner rock has to go somewhere though joe so where's the owner occupier going they're gonna gonna buy another house look i will say in the southern suburbs, I've seen a real slight dip in in rental demand and rental prices. It is just coming down a tiny bit. I don't think that's going to be for long. I simply think that Adelaide's, Adelaide's winter is wetter and more miserable than it's been in a few years. And so people aren't going out in the beachside suburbs. They're just going, I'll bugger this. The other issues in relation to demand, and you've immigration is a factor, the fact that people came back during COVID from overseas countries to live here because it's safer. People left Victoria in droves because, what? self-respecting person would want to live there right now but that's just me (laughs) i used to live in melbourne and i loved it but (laughs) i'm not a dan fan but that's okay um but that aside the other factors that i noted during covid that we don't talk about are people like just us guys, you know, two or three single blokes lived together in a share house. Then they had to live together, work together, play together, and that got a little dreary. So the minute COVID changed, three guys that shared one three-bedroom house all went and rented three three-bedroom houses and now all live singularly and now have home offices and a room for their mates to stay on weekends. So that has also put a demand on the rental market. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. – what are you So there's less people sharing house. 
post-COVID than there were pre-COVID. And then there was a huge amount of uh, relationship breakdown. And then there were tons of people that moved out of apartments into houses because they wanted dogs. Like there's a huge, there's a pile of factors apart from immigration that have changed the way we live in Australia. Oh. So what are you seeing, like, um, I guess from a rental perspective in, in Adelaide, like you're talking about the south in the the, um, the market may is kind of dipping a little bit, but then you just told me today you got a ridiculous rent. You got Devonshire at $660 a week. Um, when, when you, what did we, what was I, it I valued it at 580. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> <You> <laughs> me, we'll get 580 for it. We paid $560,000 for the house and you get it rented for 660, 660 times by 52 divided by 560. That's a 6.1% yield. We, we, but we did add it. And we'll talk yes. about this as a real live deal later on. We did cool. add value. Under so we, we are in the process of spending 30 grand on a, for a mutual client and um, adding a, a bathroom and a, and a bedroom and a study. So, yeah. Hence, yeah, that definitely, that definitely counts. It definitely counts. It does count. Um, anyway, I've digressed here. I've digressed. Jeff, where, take us away. Where, where, Jason, this is what Jason and I do. There'll, there'll be many That's right. I'm, I, I do it too. I was, I was going to step in and make I'm going to go get, I'm going to get myself a cup of tea. But while we do, it's just at the door. So, but um, no. So we're going, to, we're going to talk about these golden rules. So there are a heap of them. But first off, we're going to talk to buying. What are you, we've, we've sort of sprinkled in a couple. But what, what are yep. your top sort of, let's unpack a couple of these. And sure. we are going to have a newsletter with Jason um, sort of featured. We're going to, we're going to, it's going to be August. So you need to subscribe to that. Joe, if you have it, drop it in the comments. Uh, I'll get it. But what are, you, what are your sort of key um, sort of golden rules when buying property? Well, let's start by assuming that there's a couple of people that are young people starting out for the very first time, right? Okay. Understand what your first homeowner grants or stamp duty exemptions are and take full advantage of them. It might mean that you might have to live there for six months. Uh, it might mean that you can't, because you can get in with a three, you can get in with a three percent deposit these days. Like that's absurd to me. Even if you stayed at home with your parents and left it empty for three months, and uh, for sorry for yeah. six months because you have to live in it for six months at some stage in the yeah. first twelve months. Even if you lived in it first, left it empty, you're in yeah. the market and it's now capitally growing and you're on your way. So understand your concessions. Then stay single, like because <laughs> the mistake young couples make is they go, oh, you know, we're going to buy a house. Well, no. He should buy a house and she should buy a house and take advantage of the grants each and then they should buy a house. And then you're under 25 and you're three houses deep. You're well on the way. The, the rest is history from there. It, 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 does, it does vary from state to state. So just be, just be careful on that conveyancing because I know in New South Wales, if you, if you buy, once you buy, even if you're a single person, if you get some earlier, you... I think that does disqualify you, but speak to your conveyances. But it must be a if little you're a couple, 
if you're a single, stay single on paper. Anyway, that's that's just my <laughs> stay single on paper. Out there, stay it? single okay. legally. <laughs> that is a solid piece of advice. And look, and, and that's something. I'm 48 and bitter twisted. I still think you should stay single. <laughs> <laughs> I've well, given too much of it away too many together, times. Yeah, there are some interesting things around trust and obviously we can't talk about trust and we can't give anyone financial advice and 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 none of that of course but um I have heard I um I used, I used to work in the legal space and there are it's interesting about the way that it's worded around um the first home buyer grant and owning a trust um so you could purchase a property in the trust and then Following that, you may have the potential to be able to use your first home buyer's grant. Obviously, seek your own independent legal advice, but I've heard some interesting things. Um, so you may be able to do something around that. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to cover myself any more than that, Jeff. <laughs> Put the disclaimer up. The, the, uh, the, the cop. I, I love that cop disclaimer. Well, no, you don't have to go. I think as far as disclaimers go, my next tip is you've got a friend in me, which is um, surround yourself <laughs> with people who have made mistakes before you. Yeah. Um, because to me, like we're three mates, we all do it differently. We talk passionately about the mistakes we've made so that the other person doesn't make them. And every, just ask people. people. People are proud of the fact that they've achieved what they've achieved in property and listen to their story and learn by their mistakes you know, they made their mistakes with their money. And if they're good people, they don't want to see you make their mistakes. That doesn't mm. necessarily mean listen to your mum and dad because your mum and if your mum and dad own their family home, no disrespect, that's a great achievement in any, in any place. And I still love that we still live in the best country on earth where that's a probability more than it is a possibility. But mm-hmm. But if your parents own one, and they've only owned one, then they're probably not the right person to listen to for your advice. There, there might be a friend or a family member or a cousin or someone that's got two, three, four or five. Because, you know, a fellow colleague of ours, Joe, I, I'd always sat at that three, four and... Um, don't know whether she'll be offended if I mention her or not, but Prue, I said to Prue one day, years and years and years ago, I'm like, you know something I don't know. You've got more properties than me. How have you done it? And that's when Mm. she talked about trusts and different entities and the rest is history. Yeah. And that allowed you to kind of scale and grow to that next level. But that wouldn't have happened if you didn't reach out to that person and that's right. And, and, and I just asked and she had, and it was just like that. I just said, Hey, you know, something I don't know. What is it? And she went, blah. And I went, makes sense. Like it was yeah. a two Tell minute conversation. Yeah. Yeah. How does that, how does that work? This yeah. It's very true. I mean, this is how, this is how Jeff and I got to know each other. We were just, asking questions we kept asking questions and we created this group and then it's just based on trying to understand more you know and that's what that's why people love it is because it's just us bringing on experts like yourself that have been through the ringer that have have been hit left right and center with some challenges um what are actually i mean this is a bit of a left field question i mean what are some of the bigger challenges that you've faced in your um property investing journey that that have really kind of set you back more well, not set you back but 
made you learn a little bit? What was what's your biggest lesson from some of that kind of kind of stuff? Because I know you haven't gotten that that answer written down. So so apologies. <laughs> um, the follow your gut is probably so. The only deal yeah. I ever have lost money on, and it was ten grand. It wasn't a lot, and it was. But it was the very first deal I did with another really close mate. And what had happened is he's like, oh, this is the place. It's in a place, a suburb called Osborne. And I said, I don't know why I know this and I don't know how I know this, but you can't develop in that suburb. It's, mm. a, it's a dead zone. And mm. he's like, no, 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 you definitely can. And I sought further advice. And um, it looked like we can. And I made an offer. I was at a boozy lunch. I made an offer to the agent. It's the <laughs> very first time ever pre-auction in my life that she's like, I'm sending over the waiver. And I'm like, what? I'm not signing a waiver. I've never signed a waiver. A she's waiver? Saying, yeah, because you're buying under auction conditions. She wanted oh, me to yeah. sign a waiver, but I'd waive my rights to calling off. Mm. I signed that waiver. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't developable. Fortunately, we had a conversation. Um, Fortunately, I was able to go back with a lawyer that cost me about two and a half grand in legal fees and was able to go back with the lawyer and say, you guys misrepresented this property. You have to play a part. And so they let us out of the deal, but it did cost us. My mate and I went halves in the, um, and wow. it nearly, it almost nearly that would cost, have cost a, friend, so, a great I mean, friendship. How much, yeah. how much would have cost not, not, not doing that? Like uh, well, actually going look, through with it. In Even. retrospect, COVID occurred and we should have bought that deal and we'd have made 130 <laughs> grand just on selling the property. But <laughs> we okay. didn't know okay. that at the time. The fact is yeah. we, we, we made an offer of 490 and if it was not developable, it was worth 430. So to, to have lost 10 grand and some legal fees and save a friendship was a small price to pay. But, um, but, I should have followed my gut. My gut told me I was right and I should have kept to my gut. How do you, um, how do you think about planning for these? Uh, like, how do you think about planning for the future or, or property planning yourself? So Is that something you think about. Yeah. I, I, for me, it's a business plan. I've always treated it like a business. It's, um, it's not my money. It goes into a separate account. It stays there. Everything pays for itself. If I use money from it, I pay it back. If I lend it money, I take it back. It's a yeah. business. It is not It's not my money. I don't treat it in any way, shape, or form like my money. It's Yeah. It, actually, I, I actually heard a really good, um, I don't know, it was a quote, but I heard a really good thing where he's, he's like, you need to, the, the second... I don't know if I can't remember the correct wording, but it's like the second order consequences that that money, the dividend is your money. That initial money is not yours. So like what you're saying is buying this property and then that's, that's not your money. You can't, 
sell it and get the equity. It's only after you sell it, get the equity, move that into another deal, and then that's a cash flow positive deal or that's a, a you know, a hundred thousand dollar gain. That's when you can touch the money. So you can't touch that first sale. It's only that second sale that you can then touch the money. That um, even then. I only yeah. use that money for more deals. It's a deal. Like it's, I live, it's real life monopoly for me. Like the fact <laughs> is that money buys hot water services. It buys new blinds and each financial year, when you're coming close to an end of a financial year, you sit there and you look at how much money you've got, how much you're likely to pay in tax. Who are my good tenants? Who asked for a dishwasher? They can have it. Who asked for this? They can have it. Buy that, fix that, get that, or pull some equity out and go another deal. Like it's not my money. When did when does it ever end then though? Like what, what's the what's the kind of end game? Fifty five. Seven years from now. So the, the goal ultimately for me by sixty five, I'd like to own eight outright. So if I could sell everything off and be left with eight, four would be good. Like to me, four means I'm living comfortably. But if you own eight properties outright by your 65th birthday, you've got a pretty good life. You're going overseas three or four times a year. You've got a, a friend on the side that, has expensive taste <laughs> that you can like afford that. to yeah, yeah. entertain. Well, how, how, how do you, so you used to be, one, one thing most people don't know about Jason is he used to be a commercial real estate agent where you would sell commercial. So how does commercial come into your strategy? Like, do you think about, com- like you told me eight, you just said eight properties then. So that's eight residential properties or like, how mm. what, do you see value oh. in resident, uh, commercial? So, or what do you think about that? Great question. The, I think ultimately I'd like to get to the stage where I've done commercial. What I love about commercial is there's no emotion involved, right? It's just mm-hmm. numbers. You know, mm-hmm. and some of my favourite deals I've ever done were over the telephone with people or walking along the beach on the Sunshine Coast just going, hey, I was thinking of you. You should buy this house, this property I just listed. Because it's just an app, you know, because people have appetite for retail, industrial, et cetera. But the thing with commercials, the commercial is a great way to end the game. Mm. But, you know, to, to me, and we go back to that starting off with some kind of grant, anyone can get in with residential. You can still get into the residential space with 3% deposit. You know, commercial's yeah. 30%, 40% deposit. You've got to be cashed up in order to do commercial. And the problem now is once you get your portfolio, it's it's a big game of um, what's – it's a big game of Jenga. Do you know what I mean? Like it's too hard to pull it all out because it then all just flops. So you've <laughs> either got to sell and start again. And I'm too old. Like I want to do it. <laughs> But I just, I just haven't got there yet. I'd love to. <laughs> the goal for me, um, our family have just sold our commercial office space because the super fund owned it. And we're going to move my mum out of it and move my brother into it and then buy a little shopping centre uh, and then be our own tenant. That'll be 
my first foray into something significant in the commercial space, which I hope to do within the next two years. That'd be exciting. Oh, super interesting. Yeah. Okay. Before we go on to the, the selling side of things, because we're already at 50 minutes, and I, I did promise two hours, so... But um, Jason, Joe said an hour and a half. Are, are there any sort of things that we haven't covered in the, the buying golden rules? What, you, what, what, sh- what should we consider? Okay, so uh, we, we did pretty good, to be perfectly honest. But what we do, remember, everyone talks about how to do your research. Well, if you think about it, Maccas, Maccas, and, Bunning did, Maccas and Bunnings did the research for you. Don't waste your time or your money. Do you, if there's a Maccas or a Bunnings, buy. Simple somebody, as that. somebody, do the data on that. If, if I'd, I'd love to see somebody from the community, yeah. I, I have a Bunnings theory, but I haven't been yeah, able like to answer it. What, how does the how does an area perform after Maccas and Bunnings come into it? Well, the the commercial reality is a, a Bunnings and a Maccas go into an area because of why supply and demand. They're not going to go there unless there's people living there and. You don't want to go there if there's no one that wants to rent your property. So if there's enough population for a Maccas to be there, there's enough population for someone to rent your house. You don't, again, going back to my point about buy what you can afford. It doesn't need to be capital growth. You just, if you use time as your friend, then buying a property that will always be occupied has to play a factor. And if there's a McDonald's or a Bunnings, it'll always be occupied. And I've, then I've, last... I haven't got a bonus. I could throw on top of that. We've we've got we've recently got a Guzman and Gomez uh, just down the road, Guzman Y Gomez or whatever. Yeah. And a KFC. So and a Mac has just moved in as well. So I think I think the area I live in is already yeah, there's a Bunnings just down the road. So yeah. oh, we got a question here. We got plus Woolies and Coles or both. If you've got a Woolies, Coles, Bunnings and and Maccas, you're you're set. What about That's what about sure. Guzman and Gomez show? Was it Guzman and Gomez or why Gomez? Well, but, but they they're using this Guzman and Guzman and Gomez have used yeah. the same theory I've used, which is Maccas went there, so I'll follow them. Yeah, they yeah. didn't do any research. Okay, I'm excited to get. I've got on my other screen here. I've got a one a, a one last a, thing, which is get good insurance, guys. Like, uh, yeah. uh, and we can cover that again in property management. The the number of people, whether they're friends, clients, etc., do not buy. Like, again, I'll watch where I go with my financial advice. But with landlord protection insurance, buy it's seventy, eighty dollars a year more. Buy a landlord protection policy. You don't need it till you need it. Simple mm. as that. What else? Yeah. What are some of the horror stories that you've you've seen? Um, because I feel like this is kind of experience. I had a I had a horror story, for instance, where I had terrible insurance. I just got the one that someone <laughs> said, "Hey, get this one because it's cheap," and um, I I incentivized the wrong tenant. I said, "Hey, I'll give you two weeks free if you if you come to my property," and they did. Um, and then I had a terrible property manager, and then. After six months, there was holes in the wall. There was poop on the wall from dogs and kids and the dogs, which weren't allowed in the property, scratched up the floor. So we had $12,000 worth of internal damage. And all it had was flooring and walls. Like, how can you do $12,000 worth of damage? Um, And I had to pay 
I, I had to pay all of it. Like, I, I think I got five. I, I don't even think I got it. I think it was 12 grand of, I had to pay. I'm pretty sure. No, I got their bond. That's right. I got, I got a $1,200 or $1,400 bond and that was it. Full so it's a horror story. I didn't have the right insurance. The worst thing I've ever seen in my life, and it was fairly early on in my career, I just took over a management for a mate who was a real estate agent from a very reputable company. And we took over the management and because he suspected they'd done a runner. But so I, I rock up, I get the keys, I turn the key and the door won't open. I'm like, oh. So I'm like, we better body weight it. So I used my body weight and then my mate Patrick used his body weight and we opened the door and I kid you not, it was knee deep in rubbish the entire way through the house and the entire way in the rear yard, four skips to remove the rubbish um, and $40,000 cleanup, like absurd. Luckily they had good insurance, but you know, we see all the time where landlords are underinsured because of a fire, you know, or they have a landlord protection policy, but it doesn't have a contents component to it. And, Owners don't understand that contents such as your hot water service, your air conditioning unit, they're not covered by your building insurance. So if if a even if a property is vacant, it doesn't even have to be a bad tenant. We don't have lots of bad tenants anymore, to be honest. But it doesn't have to be a bad tenant. We've got a mutual client right now, Joe, where it's the house has just been sitting empty because we've been doing a subdivision and it's been robbed blind of copper piping copper piping hot water service they they got up for shits and giggles and pulled tiles off the roof in the middle of winter in adelaide and it's damaged the ceiling like it's still 30 grand's worth of damage that Mm. fortunately is insured with a good insurer but i can't i can't stress enough and and probably probably the best Oh, sorry, I was just going to say probably the best way to look at that, I'd suggest, is the product disclosure statement or what's the best way to understand? Yeah, how do you identify the best policy? It's got to have really good rent rent arrears cover and really good rent protection for if it's left empty. It's got to have a reasonably low excess. It's got to have free, no excess on rent cover. Like you shouldn't have to pay excess on a rent cover. You should only pay excess on alternative claims. Okay. And it, it should have 50, 50 to $60,000 of contents cover. And it should have an adequate pet damage policy. Mm. And so but how do you know here, yeah. if those things are good? Like, how do you know that? Like, when I look at a policy, I'm like, God, there's too many words here. But how do I know that, like, one's better than the other? Well, it's not a case of one's better than the other. One policy doesn't have them, and one does. <laughs> okay, okay. So they're just not on the pe- they're, they're not on the they're not on the list of things. No, we don't cover for this. No, we don't cover for this. Yes, we do up to sixty thousand dollars, or yes, we do yeah. up to twelve thousand. Or yes, we do have contents oh, well. cover. But it's a two thousand dollar excess. Yeah, well, here's a good question that's actually come up. Um, a good broker, um, and they're talking about insurance broker. I imagine. Do you go direct to Terry Shear, Shaw, um, those type of people, or do you have an insurance broker? Like, what is your what is your preference? In in my business, I've got an insurance broker, but for 
for landlord protection. I'm as a landlord, I look at EBM is a good landlord policy. Um, um, uh, MGA Riches Insurance Brokers is a good landlord policy. PIP is a good landlord policy. However, you start you've got to read the fine print because they've increased their flood flood zone section. Terry Shear, mm-hmm. of course, is a good landlord policy. What I'm saying is don't go to the big four banks. Don't necessarily go to some of the other large insurers that don't specialise in landlord protection. You can do it by all means for the building policy. That's different, but not for the landlord policy. Yeah, okay. Well, I want to go through, you've got way too many golden tips. We've got way too many golden tips. So let's go through what are your top three golden tips. So we've got golden tips on renovation, selling, and developing and finding a property manager. So what are your what are your favorite and top three tips for those subjects? So let's talk renovation, selling, developing. Hit whichever one you like the most. All right. Well, let's start with selling only because the obvious opposite to buying is selling. Let's start mm-hmm. by saying I don't like to sell, but I've started <laughs> doing it more because um, developing and creating cash flow through developing ultimately means you have to sell in order to go to the next deal. Yep. Know, know at the time of the purchase what the end plan is. So mm-hmm. don't buy it with the intent of buying it to sell or buy it with the intent of renting it out and know which one it is so that you do or don't capitalise, overcapitalise. Um, it's a great point. At, at selling at this moment in time, I'm sorry, but if you are not spending three to $4,000 on top-end styling so that people can imagine living there, then you deserve, like, you'll see in terms of getting people to fight for the deal, you have to have it styled. And if you're going to spend the money on the styling, then make it look good to begin with. Make sure the carpets are professionally steam cleaned or covered by rugs or new carpet. Freshly paint if you can or at least t- touch up, get rid of all the chips. Don't – when they're looking for five minutes, so they're not looking hard. So just make sure mm. that all the obvious things are fixed. If there's a broken handle, fix it. Put fresh bark in the lawn. Make sure the grass is green. If there's dead plants, pull them out. Go to Bunnings and spend 200 bucks on new conifers. It's not break the bank staff in order to make, you know, what my favourite agent, as you know, you can smell his product from a mile away because, like, you can just go, this is a Scotty special because there's fresh plants, Nice, clean, it's freshly painted. So spend the money. Um, (laughs) Also his tip, which is price it low and watch it go. Price it high, you'll watch it die. So your job... Price it high, watch it die. That's that's true. It's very true. I mean, I've seen a a few of those recently, like just sort of, I don't know, it's greedy vendors or sort of, yeah, they just sort of, and it just sits there in in a market where I think everything's selling within couple of days or a couple of hours. Yeah. We still have tons of competition. We're, we're still at that moment in time where 30, 40, 50 people are going through. So present it beautifully, price it correctly, and then have three or four people fight over it. 
because they're mm. all going there. They they know the person that buys it knows that they're buying outside the range. Simple as that. Especially and in it, Adelaide. Oh, yeah. Price in Adelaide. If you look at South Australia, just know you're going to pay forty, fifty thousand dollars more than the listed price. It is just Ten, the way you're going to pay going. eight to ten percent above the top end of the range. Perfectly yeah, legal, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, for I now, mean, most of them aren't ten percent. They just go silly, but <laughs> um, know the value. And then, of, it. of course, understand who your buyer is and present like you know, if it's a two-bedroom unit. Don't put toys and and swing sets as part of your styling. Put a, a main bedroom and a home office. If it's a four bedroom house, don't don't put don't pitch it to a bachelor. Like know who okay. your buyer is. Yeah, that's solid. Those are solid selling selling tips. What about renovating? What are some of our can we, can we just renovating hit on one tips? last one, Joe? I'm going to stop you there, which Jason, because I, I see people do this, uh, and he said, don't hang on for a few grand. So I, I, I have a bit of a story, a bit of an anecdote here. And look, I, well, mine wasn't a few grand. Mine was, mine was actually 10 grand. And we're not talking like a million dollar property here, which it would have only been 1%. But like I was sort of, I made the mistake of deciding to sell after after signing up another twelve month lease, and and we've seen enough of these deals now, Joe, oh. that we know that that. So I had an owner occupy wanted to move in, and they were willing to pay ten thousand more, and but they wanted to move in, so I'm like, I tried to entice the, the tenant to move out. They didn't, they didn't buy it, so that didn't happen. So I said, okay, I've got another offer. It's ten thousand less. So it's an investor, so yeah. So I I could either I could hold on and hope that another investor was going to pay more. Or I could just decide that this was the best offer that I was going to get on, on this on this property. Yeah, so what, what, that is one of my gold, that is yeah. one of my golden tips is try and find tenant properties that have tenants in place. the 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 agent is looking at the market, and the market is made up of seventy percent owner occupiers and thirty percent investors. As soon as there is a long lease on a property, especially if that lease is um, under market you have the opportunity to get a really, really good price because you've just, that agent has kicked out 70% of the market and vendors do exactly, people who are selling their houses do exactly what Jeff is talking about here. They list their property for sale and um, they don't even think like, oh yeah, I'm going to want to get a new lease on it because I'm going to sell it to an investor. But no, you're going to sell it to an owner-occupier. It's just it's just the way it's going to go. Um, but they get this new lease on and it screws them out of twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. So a lot of the deals that I see, uh, there's so much opportunity in having something with a lease on it. So if you're trying to sell it, don't renew the lease. But if you're trying to buy it, look out for it because you can make... 10, 20, 30,000 dollars. Like it's so it's so easy and they're cracking properties and you keep the tenant on, suffer and also $100 a week. Right? Let's say your if your if your property is is $100 a week under market rent, that's massive. Like that's a, that's a big. That's taking it from a 4.2% yield to a 5.6% yield, right? That's in realistic terms $5,200 a year. So if you can get anything above that, if you can get a ten thousand discount, you've just made five thousand dollars. If you can get a fifteen thousand dollars, you've made ten thousand dollars. Correct. So you can take advantage of that opportunity, but you tell the agent, not in cash terms, you tell the agent in a yield perspective, look, this is a four point two percent yield. The market is at five point six. What are you gonna do about that? I'm not gonna pay four seventy five, I'm gonna pay four fifty five. 
Well, you, pro- <laughs> you probably also want to tell them that you do like their property. You're not you're not just trying to, yeah, because otherwise oh, you absolutely. make them feel bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You really want to. Yeah. No, you don't make them bad, but it's just like, yeah. sorry, I can't. Oh, look, I'm really struggling to make this stack up from a numbers perspective. The yield is so low. You have to give me a discount. And they, and the agent understands because if she's like, he, she, I can't sell it to an owner-occupier. It has to go to an investor. And there's just not that many investors out there. Um, a lot in this group. And a lot there's out plenty. There. And there's plenty that can't take the $100 a week here. So even That's though there's true. a 30% investor true. market, you're actually in a pool of about 15 people that can that can withstand the the 5k hit particularly if point. you're buying variable and it's going to and you're going to lose another yeah, 30 or 40 on top of your 100 with the interest rate rise yeah very true okay let's knock through some let's let's rapid fire um thank you jason for sharing your wealth of knowledge absolutely I just had to drop that in Thanks. No. We're, only, we're only sort of a bit of like... You didn't have to do that, boys. <laughs> um, well, you didn't have to come on the show, but hey, uh, you I'm decide. conscious of the fact that we've got a few tips to get through, plus I want to share some real live deals. So let's so do rapid it. Fire. So renovation. renovation. What are your top renovation okay. tips? Number one, are you renting it or selling it? And um, same as before. What's the value add? You know, Joe, that I'm you and I, that's how we became mates rather than colleagues, is because we <laughs> could talk for the rest of our life about value add. And you've called me time and time again about deals not in my state because I have this ability. If you want to <laughs> yeah. learn something tonight, my number one tip, and I'm going to show you guys in real life in a second. Look at a floor plan, learn how to read a floor plan, understand a floor plan, and immediately work out how you can value add it because we've turned a three-bedroom, one-bathroom house into a four-bedroom, two-bathroom with a study, which got, like I said to Joe before, I predicted rent at 580 (laughs) and we got 660 for it and 30 grand for the reno. So learn how to read a floor plan and learn how to value add. Use a team of trusted tradespeople, pay them what they're worth and pay them on time. Yes. Uh, It's rocket science, right? Not. (laughs) (laughs) Like just find the people you know and trust. And Ross and I have got some cool people and we've met some cowboys as well. And, you know, uh, but yeah. like, your, property, your re- property manager has a lot, a lot of connections. This is what they do day in and day out. So yep. it's definitely not you having to have those connections yourself as an individual property investor. It's leveraging your team. Your buyer's agent will have connections. Your property manager will have connections. Your 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 project manager will have your broker will know some people. Like there's a yep. lot of people that you can get access to. Yep. Um, um, what's the next one? Learn where to skimp and where to spend. My favorite tip internally is, as an example, you should paint internally and externally. And I've done, we've done a a live video at one of my projects, Joe, in the past. Pay a professional to paint inside, do the outside yourself, as an example. (laughs) Because outside, you miss a spot. No one looks and goes, oh, you missed a spot on the gutter. You walk into a shit paint job inside a house and that's the first and last thing you see. You just walk in every time going. And it's the easiest way for me to negotiate 12 grand off the price because I'm like, 
they've done a sh- it looks like they got yeah. smashed and had all their friends around here and painted the joint it's going to cost yeah. me 12 grand to fix their paint it. job yeah <clears throat> like so just pay the professional to paint is yeah, my painting sucks anyway yeah, it's the exactly. worst job ever. Whereas outside, it's fun. You jump on a thing, you're just painting away, What's, singing along. What are some more skimping? Where where do you skimp? Where do you not skimp? What are some other non-skimping okay. areas that you look at? Okay. If if you're running out of money, don't put any blinds. Pull the curtains off, leave the windows free because anyone can whip down to Bunnings after the fact and put blinds on themselves. No one notices at an open home that there's no blinds. So don't pay, if you can't, make it your last decision. If you've got two grand left, put blinds, but if, but don't buy them to the last second. Um, Good. Solid, that one. If you've got dated built-in robes, just cover the doors. Like put put new doors on, but leave all the existing inserts. Um, if you, um, if uh, the sorry, otherwise I like to skimp. If you're running out of money and the tiles are good in the bathroom, then don't do the bathroom. Do new tapware, new shower screen new vanity, new towel, yeah. towel hardware. You can have a bathroom looking pretty schmick for 2K if you're on a budget, whereas the kitchen is fairly important. Do as good a job in the kitchen as you can afford to do because it's the heart of the home and it's where people notice. My favourite thing to do, and Ross hates my guts for it, but pull a wall down. You know, I love to pull walls down and open up. The easiest way to add... Now, pulling a wall down will cost somewhere between four and $8,000 to open up no. those 70-styled houses, but it's immediate wow factor. It's pull the wall down and make it an open-plan lounge room, dining <laughs> room, and kitchen because that's the world we live in today. And you do that, you will get your money back, I promise you. Okay, okay. That is a solid renovation. And one and last tip. Oh, Jesus. Write your budget and add 10%. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that and I yeah, thought. Your budget is not 10% of the purchase. It's <laughs> 10% of your buffers. Write your budget and add 10% for disasters. Yeah. Is, is 10%, 10% enough? Because I, I, I haven't thought. No, that. no. 10, 10% is almost always enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I want to touch on some of our uh, case studies that we've got a number of case studies here. However, you've got, you've dangled the carrot for developing. So what are your number one developing top tips? Okay. So um, keep in mind, you've got to check your rules in your state because these are specific to South Australia. I like to develop in South Australia. If you're tearing down and going one into two or one into three, 600 square metres minimum, at this moment in time, there's no money in one into two. So unless you're buying it for the purpose of long-term land banking and some cash yeah. flow, don't I, do I don't want say that's – I wouldn't say that's universally across Australia, but in, in a lot of the parts, it's just – it's too hard because by the time you – the build costs – and, and the land value is, yeah. The only exception hard. I'll say to that is if you can buy a block of land and um, I helped a client buy one in Hallett Cove recently. Where, a block of land? Well, he, no. he bought a house. 
on 600 square metres that will do one into two, but he's on the top of a hill and when he builds two two two-storey houses, he's going to have ocean views from the lounge room. There are exceptions to the rule, but they are exceptions to the rule. Um, Try your best to keep it a one into three. Know your minimum requirements for your favourite council areas off by heart. You should know them off by heart. Pick one, two, three council areas and only negotiate with them because then you'll they'll get to know you and you'll get to know them. And with Ross and I now, it's rarely no. It's almost always you have to have you this, considered this? Would you do this instead? Like because they trust us, they know we're good for the money, they they know we do good projects. So they're once you've got strikes on the board, councils want to work for, work with you and for you. They're not the bastards everyone mm. thinks they are once you've got strikes on the board. Mm. If you want a hammerhead, you need a minimum of 750 square metres. You're ideally looking for a house with a flat roof carport because that can be torn down. You need five metres from the edge of the house to the fence line, which is a metre for our new fence line from the house, four metres for the driveway, which is three for the drive and 50 centimetres each side for a garden bed. And when we say hammerhead for those who, I mean, I'm sure most people would know, but that's one where you're retaining Battle existing and, and keeping building out the back. Yep. 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 Shaped yep. like a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and and the way South Australia set those rules up is hammerhead battle axe is very very rare in South Australia. Um, like it is very hard to find those type of deals. So the reason they, they set send, it up at five meters, yeah, the reason they set it up with five meters is because five meters doesn't really exist. So don't expect to go out there and find them. However, if you can find and that five meter variant, you're probably fighting with me as the buyer. <laughs> yeah, call, call, yeah, call me. <laughs> Tell me about it because every single one I've found, I've purchased. <laughs> so <laughs> they are golden um, because the opportunity lies there is everyone thinks they don't think that they exist anymore. So they don't even bother looking at the five meters. Yeah. And then when you find it, it's like, oh my gosh, we've got five meters. Oh, this is, this is now worth an extra $60,000 to me, but I can still, you know, pay the yeah. same amount as, as I normally would. Uh, so anyway, go on, go on, sorry. I've messed no, the flow that's okay. <clears throat> um, not to rattle again about insurance, but during a development, prepare an insurance, prepare and insure for the likelihood of being robbed. So yes. during that during a development, the, re- the commercial reality is you're going to be robbed during that project. You should be insured for it. Uh, so, And if yes. you're really lucky, they'll take your 30-year-old hot water service and you'll get a brand new one. <laughs> It's a blessing in disguise. Um, and then my my last tip for developing is find people with complementary skill sets and do joint ventures with them. So that's how jo- Ross and I started doing stuff together is mm-hmm. because I love to renovate and he loves land and I like to hold and he likes to sell. And now we do stuff together because – and you're bringing two, two sets of – skills together and you're bringing two sets of cash together and it sometimes Mm. means i put in more cash than him and sometimes it means he puts more cash than me etc etc but it means that you can negotiate in cash terms rather than having to borrow money borrowing money for a development deal complicates the deal in my opinion but ross and i will fight about that till the day we die 
Um, I like to. I You're like borrowing doing from a lender. I like to do. I like to develop with cash. I don't like to borrow money. Oh yeah, God, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm having, having, that. Just... having 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 done a project or two, like it just it really does. It it it's just easier. Well, yeah, but like the... you need cash if you're going to build in the back, but you know, you just in an ideal world, you've between two mates. Most of us doing this have probably got half a million floating around together. So just do it together. Just pay your cash. You're in and out in six months. It just is less complicated. You're probably probably but saving we'll depending on that. what, probably depending on how what kind of loan you're able to get. Because the, the problem is the, <clears> the moment you sort of start talking, you're going to knock a property down or do anything. The the major lender major lenders don't like it for the unless you're borrowing three million plus, because it's just not commercially viable for them to have a loan discharged in six, 12, 18 months, whatever it is. So you then have to go start going to your sort of commercial lenders that are. That are just more, they'll charge you sort of eight, nine, ten, whatever it is, fifteen percent, and and then you sort of yeah. start needing your profit. I'm just saying, don't be afraid to ask a mate if they want to do a deal with you because you might be thinking about it. And now, and the other tip to begin with, like the very first deal Ross and I ever did, we paid a lawyer for a joint venture, and we'd been mates ten years. Do you know what I mean? It's $1,500 to do a joint venture contract. So we did the joint venture contract. The second time we were a little bit dodgy, um, if my lawyer's listening, sorry, Bruno. Um, and we just duplicated his contract <laughs> and changed a few things. But now we're like, we're making money. Why are we going to rip each other off? We don't need that. That's a piece of paper. We We've torn it yeah. up, it's thrown in the bin because now there's too much money at stake. I'm not risking that for Friendship, five grand. Which is going yeah, to, that's right. Going to mess up everything. Yeah, yep. but it all starts with baby steps, right? Like, like you, you, you don't, you don't start, you don't start here, but you can get in with people that know what they're talking about, and they'll take people will take a shot with you. You know, they'll you, you say, hey, I've you know, I've got a little bit of money. I've got, I can negotiate the deal really well. Like you need like for a deal to, for a joint venture to work or a deal to work, you need someone who knows how to buy the deal really well. You need to know someone who can run the deal and who's got the cash and who's got the borrowing capacity. That's all yeah. the four partners that you need. And if you can- Depends on whether you're doing a deal with uh, Jason or Ross though. And yeah, <laughs> and, and or if you've got a mate who's a tradie, in this, I've always said our new- in Australia today, our new round of million multi-millionaires are going to be self-employed tradespeople. If you've got a mate okay. that so if much you've got a there. mate that's got a brain on his shoulders, that's got uh, that can that because most sparkies can do some basic plumbing and some they most tradies, whilst they're good at that trade, they can do the other you, trades you pretty good. The they're a good yeah. joint venture partner to have. You know, so they might not have as much cash as you, but they've got a still skill set. Yeah, Get so them on board. And they're going to prioritise your job over... They're going to prioritise because they get paid on the way out. They're going to prioritise it. Yeah. 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 We, and and we'll also... Oh, map out and get clear on who's responsible for what if excess mm -hmm. cash is needed who's paying for that kind of stuff and what does all that look like but and anyway create a business plan 
Okay, yeah, let's talk Disney. about these deals. Well, should we go to we talk, our so sponsor, yeah. Joe? Yes, that's what we need to do. We need to we need to do the sponsor thing. So I Perfect. just wanted to say that we're going to now jump in. We've got a number of real life case studies that actually talk about numbers and what they look like before and after. So I'm I'm excited to jump into that. We're probably not going to. We may get to all of them. We may not. If people see value we can in that, I'll through them quickly, and then maybe if people want to reach out to you, Joe for more details on a particular deal, then we can, can do that Let's yep. do it. Okay. Well, we're going to jump. Uh, Some chocolate. Sponsor am I going to? I forgot. <laughs> uh, Scotty, mate. There's nothing worse than going into a situation unprepared, especially when that situation is purchasing one of the most expensive assets of your life against a trained property expert in the form of a real estate agent. It's a scary thought but it is a skill that can be taught. Do you want to learn how to become fully prepared when buying a property so you can get out there, buy your dream home or investment property without the fear of actually messing it up? Scott Agate, the founder and expert property negotiator at Hello House, has been helping people buy their properties by stepping in and negotiating with the agents and saving his clients tens of thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars. Scott has now decided to share all that he's learned over the past 28 years in real estate so you can go out there and do the exact same thing on how to find a property, analyze that property, negotiate on that property and transact on it to get the best results. He's created the Get Buyer Ready course which is a step-by-step guide on how you too can become an expert property negotiator. It's the easy way of how you can avoid all of these agent games and get the best purchase price on that dream home or your investment property. The course is in short bites for busy people with no fluff at all. Just all the information you need to get buyer ready and secure that next property with confidence at the best price. Scott has been kind enough to give our community a massive discount with the link below. Sign up today before you even think about putting an offer on that next property and it will be one of the best decisions you ever make. Get by ready. Get educated. You have to add. You have to add everybody again. Looks like. <clears throat> so I was going to say, if, if people are loving this session, like drop drop a comment. Like what, which what are your golden rules as well, people? Like there's there's nearly fifty people at the moment watching this live stream. So let us let us know what you're loving and what you'd like to. Well, see. what questions have you got? I mean, we talked exactly. about the topics of developing, renovating, right. selling, right. buying. Um, subdividing and and dealing with a property manager like uh, Jason is is one of my go tos for random stuff. Just think about anything, and I'm like, oh, how would I like to think of? Like, what would Jason I don't know do? if you got. Jay, yeah, I, I like to think about things because we all get problems in life, and there's challenges, and I have different people for where. If I was X, what would I do? If I if I was, how would they handle this situation? And it's interesting how you can kind of solve your own problems by thinking about, hey, if I was, you know, um, Jason, how would I solve this property management issue? How would I solve this developing issue? Um, so I don't know. That's how I think about the world. But, um, okay, Jason, let's do it. We have some interesting, interesting things here. You've made these beautiful presentations. Um, cool. What do we got? So this is a post-war house in Elizabeth Park. It's on Yorktown Road, which is a main t- main main road. Um, I think we paid one hundred and thirty-four thousand for this one, but <laughs> a little while ago. So uh, what we did is this is a great example of where we didn't overcommit financially. So we put in a new kitchen, we pulled out the carpet, we polished the floorboards, fresh paint. 
um, split system air conditioner, which you can see on the top of the roof. Uh, in the bathroom, we just left the bathroom, but put new shower screen, new vanity, new towel rails. I think we spent about 13 and a half thousand. Next slide. Ooh, That's what go. it looked like. That's this what one it was, was beauty. Yeah. True beauty. So even, so when was this 2014? Was this cheap back then? It was cheap. It wasn't very cheap, but it was cheap. Something like this renovated would have been about 175. So we got it 40, 40 grand below market and spent 13 grand on it. So wow, an absolute bargain. Next Jeez. slide. Oh, it's ten percent, Joe. Ten percent of the property's value. Look at it, Jesus! Look at the roof is done, the flooring's done. There is there was a fire at some stage. There was a fire looks... in the kitchen. So, same house. Can you believe that? Yeah, that seventeen is... grand. Sorry, not thirteen. Unreal. It's currently worth about four hundred grand, um, and we currently get three sixty five a week. Time is wow. your friend. This is so, a great. Yeah. The reason this one is here is because time is your friend, right? So three hundred sixty-five dollars times by fifty-two divided by your purchase price of one hundred and thirty-one thousand. Let's say fourteen percent yield <laughs> on your money. <laughs> Not bad. Well, the, the the crazy thing is just seeing properties you can buy for, or could have bought back then for a hundred and hundreds of thousands, like oh, hundred thousand. Yeah. That's crazy. So this is one I'm of sorry. Ross's deals. I obviously handled the property management and and a couple of other things. Sign but in the window. Yeah, but, <laughs> but Ross bought a, a a house in that was um, really dodgy neighbours. I have to tell you in uh, O'Sullivan Beach. This is again a dated deal. But go to the next slide for me so that I can just look at the numbers. He bought the house in 2017 for 225,000. It was a 900 metre block. He did what's called row houses, which is three side by sides. Uh, but you need 18.2 metres in order to do that. Yeah. That's the floor plans, Joe. So fairly small. Uh, the division and build at the time cost him about eight hundred grand, all up. But in today's terms, that deal's worth about one point eight million. Um, and the current rent on those, uh, he's now sold that deal on to other people, but we still manage them at five twenty-five a week each. I just saw so this comment again. I just saw 1500. this. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'm gonna, <laughs> just this comment: the before, the before okay. on these renovations is what we call a nightclub hottie. <laughs> I don't even. Oh, jeez. I, I, I don't know. Do I want this, to know what? That is. Ruined the deal for <laughs> you, but sorry. But hey, goggles. Oh yeah. <laughs> so One point eight million dollars is bloody unreal, and. Sixteen sixteen hundred dollars a week rent on on eight hundred grand. But he but he sold but he sold it. But again, yeah. But still, time is your friend. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's ten percent yield. If you if you retain them at eight hundred and ten grand, that's a ten percent yield. Um, on that's your, probably not. On is your that money. factoring in the purchase price though as well? Because eight ten plus. It is. Oh, so yep. eight, wow. Okay. Including purchase. Wow. Unreal. Okay. Oh, so this is my favourite deal. We talked about um, 
we talked about my favourite deal of all time. This is the first one Ross and I did together. We learned a bit on this one because we had a bit of an issue with the concrete with um, SA Water. We put, we put the concrete down and then SA Water changed their mind about the location of the water meter. So we had to pull some oh, of the concrete up. But we learned a lot and this was the first deal we did together. Uh, we bought the house for 322000 um, in 2020, we sold the block uh, for 185,000, and okay. that one currently gets 520 a week in rent. Yeah, the front house or the back? No, obviously, the front, front house, house gets 520 <laughs> a week. Wow, 100. So, so can and you again, talk to look me? at this so the left picture look at and that's my furniture would you believe we used to because i had moved back from the sunshine coast so my furniture was in storage so I'd, because i was <laughs> you know, too I print, stingy like to pay styling yeah because i was too stingy to pay styling i'd just rent a budget truck and my mate tommy and i would move the furniture into the house for the four weeks and then move it out and put it back in storage <laughs> You'd be your own um, little. I mean, that saves four grand a pop each that, time. That wall has come down. You can see what I mean. Like how amazing that looks like a brand new home. That's a four old house. Yeah, wall here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see, yeah, yeah. yeah gee. And you um, can you talk to us about because you know, oh great, we sold the block for one hundred eighty-five. We we purchased it for. Whatever, can you talk about how this whole battle axe thing works and why is this such an interesting strategy? Like, can you break it down? Because I feel like it's easy to skip over these type of things. But can you go into a bit of detail about well, the how this biggest thing works? advantage of this sort of deal is that when the mistake people make is assume that the house has got to come down. Right. And, you know, let's look at the house next to it, which is owned by the loveliest neighbours I ever met. And this house only got robbed once because he was this nosy old guy who I befriended. And Ross would be like, you know, you're so friendly. I'm like, of course, he's going to call me at three in the morning when we're getting robbed. I, I want him. I'm happy to be nice to him. Um, but what's really cool is a house is savable, you know, the minute you pull the house down, you're pulling down a hundred, like even a shitty old house still has value. So why mm. would you pull it down unnecessarily? I don't understand. You should absolutely do everything you can to save the house if you can save it because it's a free asset. Yeah, that's right. And it, to me, it's it's almost um, probably not as uh, lucrative as what they used to have up in Queensland. Those splitter blocks, where you could literally just two, so two two properties on one on one title, where you could automatically just sign a piece of paper. It's yeah. it's almost as lucrative as that, but but not quite. So, so how the, do the numbers work? Let's actually maybe let's sure. go to um. Let's go to so the, the numbers on this as I because I haven't really included any numbers. I've just shown real deals. But to yeah, do yeah, a yeah. hammerhead block and a reno is somewhere in a in and around sixty thousand dollars. Even with a subdivision, it's 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 give or take five grand on sixty thousand. Because your SA water is somewhere in the vicinity of 20, 22, 23. Okay. Then in this one, we obviously extensively renovated it inside. Um, you've got yeah. 
some town, town planning costs, um, which are around the three to 4,000. You've got um, some legals and some additional conveyancing, which is somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000. Um, then Ross obviously is the guy I use. Fortunately, when we do deals together, he doesn't charge me, but you should account five to $10,000 for his fee usually. You want someone like a Ross or someone like that in your corner. They do all your liaising on your behalf because toing and froing with this sort of stuff is, it's is too much. relatively hard. It's too much work. for you. Like it's, yeah. yeah, correct. If, you're, if you've yeah. got a job and you'd like to keep your job, when you're dealing with council and they want something, they don't mean tomorrow. They don't mean by five o'clock. They mean we've sent the email. We want it now, but we want it now. Yeah. So paying yeah. someone to deliver now is important. Yeah. And and these people exist. Like they're called project managers. And the way I like to think about it is like, it's like a buyer's agent, right? A buyer's agent is there to find, negotiate and secure. And if you can work with a buyer's agent that knows how to do developments, you can then hand off to a developer who is doing the development stuff. So it's just as hands off as it is like using a buyer's agent, but from a development perspective, I feel like we need to call, we need like a new thing called like a development agent and it would, you know, spark people to get involved with some of these smaller, smaller and, projects. And if you're starting out, honestly, whilst you go, oh, it's 10 grand to pay a project manager to manage yeah. the project. The project manager has managed 20, 30, 100, 200, 300 deals. So he's yeah. made the mistakes. So the 10 grand you're going to pay him, I guarantee you, you're going to pay that 10 grand by making mistakes anyway. So just pay the guy. Goes back to yeah. my pay good people to do what they to do a job and pay them what they were. Yeah, I agree. So, so you, how much did you buy this one for? 320, 320, and we sold, yeah, 320, and we sold the land for 185. It's unreal. 185. Wow. Okay. I like it. Pre-COVID. Keeping, this is a pre-COVID deal. Yeah, so I put this here. I'm like, yeah, but Jason, those deals are so old. The market's changed. These deals don't exist anymore, Jason. No, they don't. Yeah. So these ones I want to share are mainly some renovation deals or some value-add deals. But these are real-life deals of mutual clients of yours and mine, Joe and Jeff, uh, <laughs> that we've done this year. These are Have you only real used our deals. <laughs> hey? God. You've only used our clients. <laughs> well, I... Sorry, Jeff. That, that, this, this is Jeff is wincing in, in pain right now. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> that wasn't intentional. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so what have we got Christie's here, Beach. Christie's yeah. Beach. You can't um, give away the locations, Jason. You can't tell them. <laughs> oh, oops. Well, it's somewhere in Adelaide, Joe. I mean, it's yeah, they, somewhere it's not in that, they could, they southern could suburbs of Adelaide. Yeah, Although suburbs. Christie's is getting very unaffordable, which is why we it's were buying there in the first place. Which, which is why this was a steal in November of last year. Mm -hmm. um, it was severely under rented, and the tenants in there were very cluttery, like major hoarders. So, and again, mm. going back to what you talked about before, Joe, in negotiating 
these are the kinds of deals you want to buy as an investor because an agent could not have taken this to market. Simple as that. No, not at all. It was, yeah. these are very, very nice photos of what we had in here. Um, I was very concerned. We, we did the walk, we did the walkthrough video and I was very concerned with, there was like motorbikes and parts. There was, there Stuff were that people... three lounge suites under the carport at the front of the house. <laughs> like, so in, it was in here. So... In here. <laughs> yeah. Three lounge and, <laughs> it's, and do you know what's really amazing about this deal? I had <laughs> mentally prepared the client for the fact that their exit was going to be a shit show. I've never had a cleaner house handed back by a hoarder in my life. He could have blown me over with a feather when I went into that property. Now, this was a very hands-on landlord. They came over. So once the tenant moved out, they came over because um, the husband's really handy. And so they camped in the house for about a week and a half, two weeks. We polished the floorboards, fresh paint, just major repairs throughout because there were plumbing issues and all that sort of thing. I think, yeah. just go to the next slide, Joe. I think they spent about 23 grand. Three hands on. Two, two week turnaround. Yeah, 23,200. So, so this, yeah, I, I, think, I think the point, I mean, the renovation looks bloody unreal. A point, the point that you're making here is, that it's 23 grand, but if you were doing it yourself, it would probably be that 30, 40 grand. 35. 35. Yep. 35. 35. 35. Yep. Pretty much a full um, reno. But it? again, look at, they look still at the flooring. Paid, it's unreal. They Beautiful. still paid the professional painter. They still paid for carpet and they still paid to oh, have yeah, the floor, the floors polished professionally. They knew where to skimp because he was handy. Yeah. He put the vanity in himself. He changed the tapware himself. He did the things he could do, but he paid the professionals where it counted. It's a four bedroom, one bathroom house. Keep in mind that they were getting 385 a week. We now get 580. It's now worth 620. <laughs> now worth 620, is it? Actually, I actually, uh, I'll try and find this. So that's $85,000 worth of instant equity. Well, not instant. It's, it's, it's sweat equity, right? It's earned equity. Um, but that's $85,000 worth of difference. And if it's and on we're the not at the one-year mark. Keep in mind, we're not at a year. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um... But this is what happens. Like the, the point, I think, the point I think you're making in these, in all of these, is you're buying a problem. Look at none of these are beautiful, perfect, beautiful things, but you're creating the beautiful, perfect, lovely things. So you're finding a problem and creating a solution that someone else is willing to pay for. Um, With that said, that is, uh, sorry. With that said, I've made plenty of money buying properties that. You know, you can, if, if what you've got and what you want to do is buy a single fronted villa in a, in a suburb where you'll always get a tenant in a medium socioeconomic, because that's what you can afford, and you let time be your friend, you'll still achieve something, but you need time. We've sped the clock up in these deals. You know, time will still be your friend. But in these instances, like you say, we've added value by speeding up the clock because we bought someone's headache. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so true. It's so true. 
Oh, here we go. What have we got here? This is the one. So this is exciting, this deal. So this is a southern suburbs. Uh, the client in question didn't want me to disclose the exact details. So high 500s. Um, he was happy to share because he also thinks it's a cool deal. So in the photo on the left, you can see um, that room to the left where the lounge suite is. So uh, t sorry to the right, buddy. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to turn that into a fourth bedroom and a study. Next slide. <laughs> I'm down. We're going so crazy here. The, yeah, well, so yeah, that, actually, let's the, pose the question. Actually, let's pose no, the question I, to the audience. So let's just oh. look at this. You go three bedroom. You called me up and you're like, what can we do here? And I'm like, because you were the one who had the idea of the second bathroom. And then I, but you were going to move the bathroom and do all sorts. And I'm like, no, mate. No, it's actually, staring you in the face. It's a walking <clears throat> rope. No, well, this is this is the conversation I had with you, Jace. Is I was looking at this, and I know we can turn it into a four bed, two bath. Currently, it's a three bed, one bath. So you've got the one bath here. So what I wanted to do is turn this this living room and dining room because there's a family and meals here and there's a living room here. You've got space. So that gives them that. So I wanted to cut this wall off here and then make this a massive kind of bathroom. So for me, it didn't, it didn't answer the question because that is a massive space to be a bathroom. So that means a lot of tiles and also the plumbing for the kitchen is not the same plumbing as the bathroom. So I was like, it's not, that's not the right answer, Jace. That's not, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something wrong here. I need the, uh, the Oracle to, to, to help me out. Um, so anyone in the comments, what would you do? How would you turn this thing that you've got in front of you? I'm going to get rid of me and get rid of everyone so you can see. Don't you show them that the next solution. Slide? Yeah. Slide 16 <laughs> is the solution. So don't see that. How would you there. guys, how would you guys do it now? The fact is, it can be done. It has been done. It's in the process of getting getting done. But how would you uh, make this happen? And this is a real deal that just happened. Literally happening know. as we speak. Oh, actually, it hasn't settled yet, has it? Settled we're Friday. getting everything yet. Actually, that's another good point. While we're waiting for people to throw in their comments below, is um, there is so much that you can get done while you're waiting up until unconditional and settlements, Right. Um, so like you can actually like get a, um, extend out the settlement if you need to be, if you need to, but from unconditional to settlement, you should be planning and preparing your renovation. If you need to do any work, get that done beforehand. Um, but no one's jumped in the comments of how they would do it. So let's, I think somebody let's did. do the, there was, there was one oh, no, they said, are you still buying in Adelaide? Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yep. Um, yes. There's still, there's still, there's still value. Still, still property to sale in Adelaide, I think. <laughs> there's still value there, though. Like yeah. there is still, there are still pockets. Well, my, my sphere of still... Adelaide has shrunken. Like where the, where there was more open, it has gotten a lot narrower for where I see value at the moment. So it has gotten a little bit tighter because the market has changed a little bit and property prices have like what i was talking about christie's beach right that has gotten very unaffordable so it's hit that threshold of okay if something comes under x price i'll i'll be willing to buy it but I, i'm not seeing that happening so it's kicked it out so yeah um thoughts on mount gambia 
Why is it not? We've got to answer. Uh, can you use the area for family and meals to add another bedroom? You could, it but let's look could. at the floor plan and look at what we've done. So go to the next slide. So what we did is we've turned the walk-in robe into an ensuite, and then we're going to add a built-in robe into the master bedroom. Um, we've turned the lounge room into a large bedroom four, and then we've turned the formal dining room that was a useless room into a study. We are installing a skylight in that room. So the family meals oh, area will remain family meals. Give me Sorry? You're, you're putting a skylight in the study? Yes. Yep. Great idea. Because we don't want to waste money on a window, so we're just putting a skylight in. Because that room looks light and bright right now, but it's light and bright because... You got um, the front window. Because you got that big front window. Go back yeah, to the so original floor plan, Joe. You've got huge outdoor entertaining area over the other two living rooms. So we're just concerned that... Um, we'll lose natural light and natural light's important in the study. So 400 bucks for a skylight, put it in. Yeah. $400. Is that it? That's fantastic. So all of a sudden, um, and actually, oh, I wish I could bring up the, well, we'll, we'll talk about the numbers soon um, about what it actually means, but that's, that's as easy as it is, right? Get the ensuite as close as you can to the original bathroom. Um, yeah. Now, one thing to mention and to note is this ensuite looks incredibly small. Um, uh, yeah, it, it looks really small. This walk-in robe, sorry. And this is not to scale. So whoever made this plan did not make it to scale because we had to measure the in the inside of this walk-in robe, and it's actually much larger than that. So it's much you larger. Do have, much larger. <clears throat> you have to think about that. And you also have to keep in mind that whilst the ensuite seems small in today's terms, the ensuite, the era of this home, that sized ensuite is not unusual for that era of home where you walk through the front door, there's a 900 by 900 shower cubicle to the left, a, a little tiny two door vanity in the centre and the toilet pan to the right. So it's pretty straightforward in the grand scheme of things. Like it, but it's functional. You've now got a four bedroom. We've rented this already at, like I said, at six eighty, a six sixty a week. Sorry, to a young family. They've just sold their family home, and it's a young yeah, couple young with family. four kids. So it's perfect for yes. them. Right. So, so now if we do the purchase price of. We're not talking about the purchase price, are we? It's um, high fives. Let's let's just call it high fives. Right. Okay. So I'm let's call it five eighty five five ninety for the sake of add the renovation. So five ninety for the purchase price in total. Yeah. Um, and all and up, then, I think we'll spend somewhere close to thirty twenty twenty eight to thirty on the reno. So and um, the majority of that is the bathroom. And then we get our at seven hundred thousand uh, at. 190 that gives us a 5.8% yield but then it also gives us and and this is a part this is an interesting thing it's about what is your actual strategy so for this person it was more of an equity harvest so they were looking to capitalize on um, purchasing this at a very affordable rate um, and then paying 
720. So they made $130,000 by spending $30,000 in in renovation. Which costs. means which means go again. Go again. You're ready to but go you, again. More like to deposit back, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Any questions? Jeff, have you got any? Oh, we, we, the thing we didn't get to was property management um, golden rules, but um, but that's uh, we're already at an hour four, an hour fifty, so we should get to Q and A because otherwise, otherwise we will be here beyond two hours. So, well, the only okay. thing well, I'll say, one, uh, one deal, or yep. Uh, so the only thing I'll say that's really important for the people watching, and forget that I am a property manager, but if you're going to be hiring a property manager, the two or three things that property managers bang on about is we have a zero tolerance for renter ins. Well, question them. Well, what is that? What is your zero policy? What is your zero tolerance for rent arrears policy? Everyone's got mm. one. What's the policy? My policy is we give you, we live in an electronic world. We give you 24 hours grace. I'll give you benefit of the doubt that even though it was due today and even though I told you <clears> you should pay yesterday so that I get it today, I'll give you de benefit of the doubt that you'll, that you paid today and it'll hit tomorrow. But my generosity ends there. Then we send you a reminder on, on day three. We call you on day five. We call you, SMS you, and remind you on day seven. We harass you. Now, the law says I'm not allowed to, but I'm paid to get my rent paid by my owners and 99.2% of my owners, my tenants pay on time because, so find me. Um, so... What is there? Because everyone knows the most important part is you can't pay your mortgage if you don't get your rent paid. So go to your property manager and say, what is your, what is your zero tolerance for rent arrears policy? What's, what's, what actually happens on the unlikely chance the tenant stop paying, stops paying rent? Get them to describe how they manage... Um, dirty houses at routine inspections and what an ingoing and outgoing or exit and entry report looks like and mm. get them to tell them their definition of the difference between fair wear and tear and damage so you understand mm. those things. <laughs> and then the really critical one for me, which everyone talks about, is the property per person ratio. But the other really critical one is how many people in your team how many and between them, how many of how many investment properties do they own? If if your property management team do not own in property invest like investment properties, they're not the team for you. Their interests don't align with yours. Yeah. I see this I see this all the time where there's an inquiry from from a landlord, uh, sorry, someone who lives there, a tenant, and it's like, I want a new air conditioner because this one's not as as cool or as warm. And then the 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 agency will just say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll replace it. It's two and a half grand. We'll just we'll, we'll replace it. Um, but a real property manager actually is on the side of the obviously wanting to make sure that the property is working and fully functional. And you'll say, yes, replace the air conditioning if it needs replacing. But hey, why don't we just get a regas or like? thinking about it where or it's service only it. 200, 300. Or, 
service. Have you cleaned fixed. it? Like in in the middle of summer, a tenant will call me and go. A tenant will call me in the middle of summer and go, my air conditioner's not working. My team are trained. We we do it in real life. I, great comment. But before it's even serviced with a split system, get me on FaceTime, climb on a chair, pull up the lid. Well, that's why it's not working. You haven't cleaned it, you <laughs> dirty pig. Pull the, get the vent, unclip it, pull it out, rinse it under the sink, put it back. Call me in 20 minutes if it's still not working properly. I probably I probably need to clean our air conditioning unit now as well. I'd of course you do. Uh, with cert, if we're discussing it, you need to clean it. Simple oh, well, I, I did get Yeah, how often, how often <laughs> do you need to get it serviced though anyway? Well, you, you, you don't need to get it tenant, serviced. You just get it. A good clean. property manager should be checking that it's clean at every routine inspection, that there's no dust on it. So yep. if they're cleaning it quarterly, it should work. And then if the owner mm. is servicing it annually, there should be no problems with it whatsoever. Annually, those those things cost about a hundred bucks, so. though. Oh, two dollars a week. So, so yeah. two yeah, two dollars right. a week. Let's put that in real terms. That's two dollars yeah. a week. You you, you want you want six hundred dollars a week. That's a part-time job, Jesus. No, twelve Christ. weeks. Every twelve weeks, which is what I said. Oh, that every is a part-time. Job. Every quarter, you should be cleaning your filters. Is, is, is Emma back in the house? Wow, really bloody! I don't, awesome. I, I don't own an air conditioner, so I just, I, I don't know what these rules are. But this sounds, this is, it sounds intense. A lot going on. You got to clean them. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna think every two years. I'm happy to service mine every two years. Um, what was the, one of the questions? One of the things that I um noticed with you, Jason, that that previous property, the one that we, the one we showed that had, there was, it was hoarders everywhere. What I really liked that you did during that exchange was you conditioned, I I can't think of a better word, but you conditioned the, the tenant and you said, Hey, you need to clean up your act. And you communicated to them very clearly. You need to clean up this mess because we're not going to be stuck with it when you leave. You ha- if you want to stay in this property, you have to make sure it's all done and dusted and cleaned. And you set that expectation with them. So how do we- what what is that? What I mean, it's communication, obviously. But how do I get that out of my property manager in Queensland or Perth? Or how do I kind of make sure that that property manager has that type of level of communication? Sure. Well, look at the beginning of a lease. So the the first thing. Let's start from. And how much, like, I'm conscious of that clock. So, sorry, guys. But anyone, I suppose anyone that wants to keep listening is happy to listen. And, (laughs) you know, the reality is I could talk for the rest of my life about property. So, like, but when people come and look at our houses, we say during the open home process, you need to know that we are stricter than other agents. Our zero tolerance rent arrears policy is this. We will harass you on day one if you're buying. We are strict at routine inspections. We do check blood. So we make it clear that the minute they're looking at the house, what our expectations are. We don't scare them away and overdo it, but we certainly let them know that If you're going to rent from us, we have expectations that you need to fulfil. Then at the time of the lease sign, we reiterate what the 
your rent's due on Thursday, so you have to pay it on Wednesday so that it hits my account on Thursday. When you get a water bill, we'll send it to you. Don't pay it through SA Water. Pay it to us. You get 14 days to pay. You will get an overdue notice on day 15. So we set the bar. Just communication, then setting with the time. These messy tenants, the way I manage messy or hoarders, I say to the girls, don't, if you, you're going to set your tenant up for failure if you make them bite off more than they can chew. So you say, hey, Joe, I can see that you've got a lot more stuff than is appropriate for this sized house. So before I come back, I'm going to reinspect in 28 days. And I'd like this gone, this gone, this gone. I need the exhaust yeah, fan couches? clean. I need this, I need sound? this. But do you know what I mean? Like, give them four, five, or six big tasks. And then four, yeah. five, or six more tasks. And like I'd said yeah. to that owner, because we'd have happily kept that tenant except they decided to move on anyway but yeah if 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 they take my feedback and they do those couple of things then they you give them a couple more things and if they're doing it then i can work with them i'm happy to keep a tenant if we can coach them now they might not be bad people well they're almost never bad people but if they've gotten away from away with it from a previous property manager who hasn't been strict, that's not necessarily their fault any more than it is the owners. You know, it's my job just to get them back on track. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's purely communication. But it, it takes time. It takes energy and effort on your side of things to do that. Um, if anyone has any questions, we've spoken about a lot of topics here. We've spoken about real deals. We've spoken about developments. We've spoken about renovations, subdivisions. Throw them, uh, throw them in the comments, and we will um, start there, to get them. Um, there, there was, there was one that did pop up, and I mean, it's it's a very niche question. We'll throw it out there. While um, somebody said, "Do property owners?" I, I would think the answer to this is probably no. But do you conduct an asbestos assessment? I mean, what's the not, not a requirement in South Australia. So, and not generally not a requirement. I don't know about other states, but generally not a residential requirement. It's generally a commercial requirement to have an asbestos mm. register if the property's built, depending on the state, but usually before 1984, you usually need an asbestos register, but not relevant to residential. Now, we've got a couple of deals on the go at the moment where there are asbestos fences and I certainly look for any breakages because if there's any breakages, you should identify them and rectify them if you can. But otherwise, no. The short answer is no. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, if yeah, for your questions about But if any... you're going to do a development, keep in mind that asbestos is going to budget 15 grand additional for the removal of it. Of the fences. How, how do you think about asbestos removal internally? Um, like, so for instance, in South Australia, right, a lot of the houses have the eaves um, are asbestos. Does that turn you off and you're like, hell no, I'm not buying one of these houses? Or how do you kind of think about that? Well, I don't, I do my best to, to buy houses that I get to keep. So as long as they're in good shape, just put fresh paint on them. 
But if a house yeah. is going to come down and mm. you can see a reasonable amount of asbestos, you should uh, you should account for fifteen thousand dollars for a full house. Uh, Ross and I did a development in Glengarry, and we pulled down one of those little red brick outhouses, like a little rumpusy oh, yeah. room thing, and that had yeah. some asbestos. That cost us about fourteen hundred bucks, but that was a three meter by four meter. So, and again, pay a professional. Don't do it. It's not worth it. What's the yeah. um? Yeah, I, I suppose. Do you just assume that there is going to be asbestos in a in a prop in a certain age, or how do you do you get somebody out there to check it? Because in in SA, you've only got the two days for the for the pest and building and all that sort of. If if it's what we call post war in yeah. South Australia, which is that sixties sixties styled, you know, which is that very first deal I showed you that red brick. Yeah, I just assume. It's yeah, there. yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, if someone's popped enough. in the if comments. It's, it's 1960s everywhere. slash 1970, then yeah. I just assume it's asbestos. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair call. Cool. And, and, and it, it's everywhere in Australia. Everywhere. Those red big properties, everywhere. No matter what, you're going to find it. Mm -hmm. it's, and it again, exists. as long as it's in good condition and you paint mm -hmm. it, who cares? It's only, yeah. and it's it's only if it's a problem, it's a problem. And it's not that expensive to remove internally. It gets very expensive, 15 grand when you have a massive, like what, 10 meter, 15 meter, eight meter fence. That's a lot of asbestos. But internally, a couple of eaves, that's, that's, you know. Yeah, I think it's, I think as long as, you, I think if it's less than four square meters, you can do it yourself with, the yeah, right protective take, gear and masks. The hazmat now, why wouldn't? But you know, you can, and as long as you dispose yeah. of it correctly. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask a question though, Jason. What 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 is, what is next for your property investing sort of journey? Because have you have you got more sort of properties you want to buy? Or so I have two goals at this minute. One I've already shared with you, which is yep. a neighbourhood centre to move our family business into as a will be one of the tenants in a neighbourhood centre. I'm My personal purchases at this second, I uh, Joe's been to my place. I've got this incredible little apartment in um, Bowdoin with these unbelievable city views and there's an agent or an ex-agent in the building who lives in a really stunning three-bedroom, two-bathroom sub penthouse that he's promised he'll sell to me when he sells so i'm keeping my cash freed up so you that, don't that'll need be it oh i need two bath i'm i'm one of <laughs> six children changed, everyone i need yeah, you man. to understand I, I don't share bathrooms i've always <laughs> i have to have two bathrooms i don't share bathrooms i think it's a good i don't idea. even share a bathroom with a partner i make them go to the spare bathroom but I need a third bedroom because I need a home office. That's very true. I'm working true. from home more often. I need a home office. <laughs> yeah. So, and I've yeah. worked hard, and I'm at the stage where I'd like, uh, I'd like a nice, because then that would be my forever home. So that's my goal for the next mm. two to three years. But never say never. I'm sure plenty of people. Yep. Um, to conclude, though, the one thing going back to selling that I did fail to cover off 
is remember the agents that brought you those off-market deals and stay loyal to them. I can't, you know, I get called often with off-market deals. So do you, Joe. So do you, Jeff. And they happen because you've established trusting relationships with people that know you're good for the money, most importantly. They know they can take your money to the bank and they know us well enough to know that we've vetted our clients enough that we can they can take our clients' money to the bank. Um, and if you make money out of a deal with an agent and they're a good agent, re- repay the loyalty and sell through that agent because they'll reward you down the track with another deal. Oh, and can't, definitely can't mention, express that enough. And definitely mention that when you're buying the property. If you're looking to buy one of these subdivision blocks, um, and let's say you're buying a one into three where, where you can keep one of the houses, say to the agent, hey, I'm buying this property knowing that I'm going to sell it and I, I want you to you. sell it for me. And, yeah, yeah, and obviously... Yeah. They're going to legally. They're going to have to get the best for their vendor, but it's very. They're very incentivized for it. So there are, you know, incentives that you can throw at them like that. Obviously, you can't break the law and, and do anything like that, but you can definitely help your situation. Um, and of course, some agents yeah. are douchebags, so don't do it if they're a douche. But if they're a yes. good guy, and plenty of them are good guys, you know. Yeah. Most of my best mates are agents. Yeah. This, got, is, this, this is a great question. Great question. Great yeah. question. Come as on. a buyer, I think I know Jason's answer to this. Um, but what I'll is your to answer to this, Jeff? What is your answer to this? Neutral. So, what's the question? Um, so, this is by Emma, and and thanks for all your comments. So, you've been smashing on fire with the comments, Emma. As a buy and hold investor, would you purchase a property which is neutral, so neutrally cash flow, or whatever? Yeah, sort of not. Yeah, yeah let's ignore tax um, for this purpose, and eventually becomes positive, but no, it's likely to to have not likely to have much capital growth. Um, My answer would be no. My entire investment portfolio strategy has been entirely based on this fact, Emma. It's as simple as that. I started my first investment with three grand. My parents matched me dollar for dollar on my first investment at 42,000. And the way I see it today, I've never used, because I talked to you earlier about I use that as a business. I've never used a cent of my money since that day. The investment. You just leverage. You just leverage off that one property. My my portfolio Ah. started with, so I've made three millions of dollars from three thousand (laughs) dollars. So so I started my portfolio with three thousand dollars, and I've never used a cent of my own money. So the answer is, Emma, time will be your friend. It's as simple as that. So as a buy and hold Better. investor, would you purchase a property which is neutral yes. and eventually becomes absolutely positive, no? The, the, absolutely it's not I likely. Would. I I cannot comprehend that we live in a country where people go out of their way to deliberately lose money in order to avoid tax. I live in the best country on earth. I should have to pay for the privilege of living here. I pay my taxes. I'm happy to pay my taxes. And 
people go, oh, let's work out ways to avoid paying $4,000 a year in tax. Let me show you a way to pay an extra $4,000 a year in tax. Because if you pay an extra $4,000 a year in tax, you you've made an extra twelve grand. Or That's whatever, ex- yeah, roughly. Like, yeah. good... <laughs> Yeah, Emma, Paul Jackson's yeah. you're on the you're on the money. You you yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just interested, Emma. What 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 gives you the um? What do you think? That, why why don't you think the the property won't or the area won't grow? Is it because it's the asset type or is it the area? And maybe it's constrained by budget. But anyway, and, and let's keep in mind, even if time is not your friend, Emma, right? And it's neutral, and you paid a deposit, and and this is the other thing that people annoys me about property. People go, I paid seventy-five, I paid $195,000 and it's still worth $195,000. Well, hang on a second. It was neutrally geared. So you've, you paid a $20,000 deposit. Someone else paid it off for 30 years. You paid $20,000 and you made $200,000. You still made that you still 10 times your money. You didn't pay 195000 for the house. You personally paid $20,000. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. What's your answer, Jeff? I feel like... Um, I like um, I'm a, I like to see if I can add value to a property. So I mean, I suppose it depends on somebody's. Yeah, I'm, I'm a definitely value add. So if I, if I'm if I need to buy in an area that I don't think or an asset that's going to get capital growth, I I, I want to see capital growth. So, but yeah, I, I get mm. your point though. The time is your friend. Yeah, and look My, once again, if yeah, you're starting out, you can still even where I bought my first one, like in the Northern suburbs, you know, where those tiny, you can still get them for 250 grand, right? Now I wouldn't live in them today, but you can still get them for 250 grand. They still generate a $320 a week return on your money. So as long as you've put down a good investment, they are entirely paying for themselves. In 25 years from now, you own it outright and you put down a 25K deposit. That's still a good day out. And the great thing about neutral and negative positive gearing is you can duplicate that. The mistake people make, let's use Joe and his partner as an example, or you and your wife, Jeff. Young family, you, you're young, you've both got double incomes, you buy a house, you negatively gear at 100 bucks. Oh, it's only 100 bucks. We can afford it. We're double income. Then you buy another mm. one and you can afford it because it's only 200 bucks and you're double income. And, and then straight people, unfortunately, have babies. And so straight. one of the people give up work. <laughs> yeah. You go from two incomes to one income and $200 a week negative gearing actually is really significant financial hardship. There's no such thing as financial hardship on pos- positively and neutrally geared properties. You can duplicate it till the cows come home. Yeah, this is um, it's an interesting one again here. I think we'll have to finish. We're at two hours and ten minutes. So, Paul, you're 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 as fresh as a daisy, Jason. Like, look look at you go. Like a lot of guests, they'd, they'd be. I think are you okay, Joe? I think Joe's yeah. Joe needs to make. I'm golden. Ready to go. Yeah. 
It's, um, we'll finish on this. One. I could talk about this for the rest of my life. That's the problem. You this probably will, though. Probably when Joe and I get you on in two years, yeah. All, all my properties are either positively geared or neutral. All are now in interest only. Would you recommend, and we can't really recommend, um, changing the principal and interest? If if I do, then I fear they will become negatively geared. Well, we'll do them one at a time. Yeah, but, I mean, no, but between my, but if you have a portfolio. And it has spare cash in it because you mm. treat it like a business, then yep. you should be making contrib. If at the end of each calendar year you have a surplus of cash, then of course it should go on to the debt. Oh, here we of go. Somebody, somebody loves <laughs> We got, we got some voice. fans here. I could listen for the rest of our life. Solid <laughs> answer. Um, but no, my answer to this. Here you go. My answer to this is. What's the point? Like why pay principal and interest when you have an offset account, which is doing exactly the same thing. So you can, you can save another hundred thousand dollars and put it and lock it away, or you can put it in your interest only. The, the only, the only rebuttal to that, 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 that I've come up with is you do pay a little bit more in interest only repayments as opposed to principal and interest, but it's very minor for the access to the capital. So if interest rates rise, if you need to do a renovation, if you want to do a subdivision, you now have access to a 150, 200K of cash. So just keep putting that money away. You don't need to, you don't, I mean, you know. No look, if we, go back to, yeah, if we go back to Emma's example, though, where she's fearful they'll never, that there won't be capital growth. Never grow. Right? Yeah. Then you must have, P&I as part of the strategy because that way when you cash out, you own your $200,000 house outright and you've paid 24. Do you know what I mean? So if, and there were plenty in my, you know, the last two years have been like plenty of us have made a shit ton of money in the last two years or we've made a shit ton of equity and equity is still money. Okay. But up until then, my strategy, my strategy wasn't, my buy and hold strategy had nothing to do with capital gain. It was buy, pay down. If I sell for what I bought for when I retire, I'm golden. You know, yeah. the fact that we've had capital growth is just a gift with purchase. Hmm. It's just cream on top. I'll, I'll throw in, we'll finish off on this because, yeah, I think, yeah, I've, okay. The, um, the, the other challenge is your life and circumstance will change. Eventually, the bank will force you to start playing paying principal and interest. Like, you, you may get two five year interest only terms, but eventually they're going to say, no, no, no. We, look, you unless you can, yeah, because you're going to, I mean, the, unless you can figure out a way to keep your circumstances roughly the same. They're going to say, well, you can't continue to. I mean, you, you may be able to refinance it somewhere else to a, and reset the loan term, but yes, at some stage, you'll probably need to pay principal and interest. Yeah. yeah, but you make that as a part of the strategy, right? Yeah, like yeah it's not. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It, you have to factor that in in a later point in time, but. Yeah, I love interest only. I think it gives you a lot of capital to play with. But I'm not. You played a part in my life, but I'm yeah. not a fan. I, I'm not. I'm not disciplined enough. I, unfortunately, like, I'm, I'm my parents, my my mum's Lebanese. We don't like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs>
No definition. All right. <laughs> Your mum's Lebanese, but you're not Lebanese. <laughs> well, I'm part Lebanese. So I'm... Is, is, is right, is that Scottish? Or anyway, so we're going to get on. No, well, yeah, well, that's my dad. You know, Matt, puppy, you know, Bitzer. <laughs> yeah, 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 Bitzer, everything. Um, so, Jason, uh, Joe, finish, finish off what, what – uh, well, I'll, I'll do it. Because where, where, if people want to learn, if they want more of Jason in their life, where should they go to, to say hello and, and – Sure. The easiest way is to go find me on Facebook uh, and or Instagram at Essential Property Management um, or go to our website, essentialpm.com.au is the easiest way. I I could talk about this for the rest of my life. So reach out. People will listen to you as well. Jason is a fantastic property manager. If you are considering property management, uh, we, we just did. A three-bed, one-bath to a four-bed, two-bath. It hasn't even been completed, and we already have $660 a week rent. Unreal. Unreal, Jason, um, to be able to pull that out um, and to be able to help the client through the, the journey. Uh, it's silly not to. Um, anyone that is adding value um, to their portfolio, Jason's the man for it. So I can't highly – I can't recommend him enough. He is the best in the business of what he does. So. Use Thanks, him. Even helps you that. in other states as well. If you, if you have no, I shouldn't say. <laughs> no, no, I did, I did. I called it. It was a deal in WA. That's, that's, and I was like, that's Jace, a this is a, don't, don't call this is a head scratcher. What am I doing? And then we found. I found it, it in seconds, though, didn't I? Like I, I it, it was seconds. Look, I'm I, like, well, I found it in hours. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every, the 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 plaudits are the plaudits are coming through. Thanks. Uh, People thanks, are loving Thanks, Kylie. Love your work. All right, Thanks, guys. guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Fun. Sorry I took everyone's it. night, but but I, I genuinely had fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Let's go buy a property. Let's get it done. Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over 25,000 property investors so we can all become better property investors together. Just a quick reminder that anything we covered on this podcast is not considered as financial advice. This is general information only. You need to go and speak with your qualified professionals to understand your unique circumstances as this is general advice only. If you got any value out of this podcast, feel free to recommend us to your friends and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening and have a fantastic day. Let's go buy property.